Doesn't matter what you face, what you're going through. I just want to encourage you today. God is good. And we do want to pray, and I'm going to pray for the things that are going on in the world today, especially the attacks on not just the United States, but, but on countries that are standing against the regimes of hate, of oppression and death. We're going to talk today about a message, really, sometimes you've got to fight. And we're going to fight. Not just in those places and in those areas, but in our life as believers, sometimes we got to fight. The enemy will come. He's going to come against you. But God has equipped you to fight. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you right now for all those places in the world, Father, where the United States embassies are. I thank you, Father, that they are the sovereignty, sovereign land of the United States of America. Father, and this land was based and formed and stands on one nation under God. Father, and we thank you that in those places you are present in that place because you are present in this land, and Father, that is our land. Even though it may be in a foreign country, Father, it says in the word you have sent us in to a foreign world. Father, we are not of this world. Father, we are in it, but we are not of it. And I thank you, Father, that we represent you. And Father, in those places, they may be in Libya. They may be in Sudan. They may be in those areas, but I thank you, Father, they represent the country of the United States of America. And we thank you for your protection, Father. We thank you, Father, for Ambassador Stephen's life that he gave in this earth, Father, standing for the truth. We thank you, Father, that he was an ambassador representing the United States of America. And Father, where we go as Americans, we don't just represent that. We represent Jesus Christ as well, because, Father, we are Americans, and this place is founded on the Word of God. We thank you, Father, for your protection. We thank you for your guidance for our leaders. I thank you, Father, that they have wisdom. I thank you, Father, that it's not about backing down from the truth, but it's about standing for the truth. And I thank you, Father, that right now, your word, your will, Father, is being poured into the ones who are in charge and who are in leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God's good, huh? Amen. Thanks, everybody, for taking care of things last week. It was good stuff. About this time, I was driving along, headed to to Tulsa and had a great opportunity to go out there and, and get, to, get to meet uh, President Mark Rutland from uh, ORU, get to spend a few days with him and some folks down there in leadership and, and, and hear some things that he had to share, so it was great, good opportunity. I wanted to share with you a little bit today, if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, as all these things have been going on, you know, in the world, all of this stuff has been been. been it, all the ugly heads have been raising up. And, and I think for us, many times, I, I, you know, the news is what catches our eye. But if you'll stop and think about it, it's not just these, these opportunities at these embassies in these different countries. It's all over the place. The, the, that spirit uh, of an, an antagonism, that spirit where, where, where there's a the fight and I don't agree with you and I'm right and you're wrong. And a, I'm not saying that we all meld because there's a lot of things where you can't meld. You can't go down and go back back down from the truth. But, but it's family against family. It, it's Dems against the Republicans. Uh, it, it's us against them. It's the Muslims versus everybody not Muslim. You know, there, there, is, there is fighting and there are, there are things that are going on in the world today. And if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you don't understand what he has promised you, you don't understand what the word says about these situations, you become very uneasy. Don't become uneasy. Know who you are in Christ. 
It says in the Word that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Well, that's just not guns and battles on the streets of Baghdad and every place else. That's in your home. There are wars that are going to be stirred up by the enemy. You have to be in charge in that place, and you have to fight to keep your house pure. You have to fight to stay in the direction that God has for you to fight. It's not going to be a walk where you just mosey on down the road. He dressed you in armor for a reason. He gave you a sword for a reason. And as you read this passage of Scripture, verses 1 through 10, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, Now the Philistines had gathered their armies together to battle. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they were encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up into battle array against the Philistines. I don't know why God is doing this, but it's just these stories and just sharing and teaching out of these stories the last few weeks. So I just, I just go with it. So it uh, it's all seems to be pretty good to me. So the Philistines stood on the mountain, it said, on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had, a bronze, he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff in his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And the shield bearer went before him. And if you go back and read this, and I had, uh, was listening to a message. And uh, it was the guy from Gateway. Robert Morris was sharing. And he was talking a little bit about this. And it was just news. And I just tell it to you for news. Goliath was six cubits. He had six pieces of armor, and his spearhead weighed 6,000 shekels, 666. As he stands before the army of God like the Antichrist, see, we in this world, have, we get a little nervous when people talk about, about the Antichrist. Anybody that comes against the kingdom of God in this way, you have the power and the authority and the dominion to defeat that. And in 1 John chapter 4, it talks about the spirit, 1 through 4, it talks a little bit about the spirit of Antichrist. And, and what we have to realize is the last part of that scripture says, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right. That spirit comes into the world, but that's not a reason to be afraid. He who is in you is greater than that thing that has come into the world. Anyway, side note. Number seven says, now the staff on his spear was like a weaver's beam. Sorry, I already read that. Number eight says, then he stood and he cried out. And this is what's happening, I think, in America and around the world. The enemy stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel. The enemy stood and he shook his finger at the church. The enemy made himself known, presented himself to the believer, and began to proclaim death, destruction, and all the things that come with it. It doesn't say that, but doesn't it mean that? It goes on and it says, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then, I will, then we will be your servants. But if you prevail against him and, and kill him, then, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. I think in our life as we go through, we would rather the pastor fight our fight. We would rather our friend fight our fight. I've told this story before when I was in seventh grade. Rodney was in eighth grade. We were at a football game, and it was a Jeff High School football game. I remember it to this day because I almost died. <laughs> and it was over there at the old field, and we were under the bleachers like many, many middle schoolers do. You watch them at the football games just doing nothing but, but picking on each other and causing trouble and fights, and, and I, I apparently picked on the wrong guy. And uh, he was bigger than me, and I was in deep trouble. 
And it was my fight, but I was, I was in deep trouble, and I had a bigger cousin. So I, I, I told my friends, go find my cousin. Go get him. Go get him quickly and get him back over here. And I, I think many times in our life, if you're not prepared, see, if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't understand and know the word, we do have an advocate. We do have Jesus Christ. We do have the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us. God loves you and he cares about you and he will rescue you in those times of trouble. My cousin swooped in. <laughs> and he, as soon as he showed up on the scene, things de-escalated very quickly. This person wanted a piece of me, but they didn't want a piece of him. So it worked out real well for me. And uh, when it all got done and got over, he turned around and he, I was, thinking, I was thinking, you know, I was doing that. Yeah, come on. Yeah, bring it on now. What'd you say? Come on, I got you. You know. Sometimes we can <laughs> we hide behind, you know. But he turned around to me and he said, listen, that's the last time I'm going to do that. <laughs> All right. I think God is there for you and he backs you up, but there are situations where he brings you into a position where you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to use the tools and the weapons that he has given you. And if you refuse to fight, you're going to get taken out. Refusing to fight when you're supposed to fight puts you out of God's will. We are in spiritual warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of this age. We have to realize the fight that we're called to fight and fight it. If you refuse to fight that fight, you are giving yourself over to the enemy. Yeah, but the Bible says this, this, this. Yep, but God has said, come on down here. It's time to fight. You talk about this, the, the thing in the Sudan and all that. I just wanted to encourage you. That's way, 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 way far. That's North Sudan. That's Khartoum. That's up around Egypt and in that area of Northern Africa. It's, it's not great in South Sudan, but it, it, that's a long way away. So don't, you know, you can continue to pray for South Sudan. I just thought I better throw that in there. I know you read that in the papers and people are asking like, so everything, everything's okay in the South Sudan. It's still dangerous, and there's lots of do not travel there warnings. But uh, as far as this kind of conflict, it's not happening there uh, where Stanley is in that particular area. So I just thought I'd throw that in. What I want to encourage you with as we go through this story today is this battle that has been, that has been presented. We've got the good on one side and the bad on the other, and the bad is calling out the good and saying, who's going to come and get it on? How many of you know it kind of sounds familiar to today? See, whether it's Democrats and Republicans and Democrats taking out God and Jerusalem and all those things from their platform, that, that should irritate you. It should irritate you in such a way that it stirs you up on the inside because it's just not wrong because we have God on our money and God in some literature that we've based this country on. It's wrong because without God and without Jerusalem, this country's not going to be anything. And as the body of Christ and as the church, that's got to stir you up in a way. There's a spiritual battle that has to be fought. See, there, 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 there is a battle there, and that should stir something up on the inside of you. See, the children of Israel in this story were set on the opposite side, but they were all so scared. They were all so fearful that they would all die, that they all would run away and hide in the camp. And then if you go on and you begin to read in verse 22, that's, that's where we'll start reading here in a second. As you go out into that place and you begin to go that direction, David comes on. The, there's somewhere that you have to be David. 
you can read this story and you can come up and teach and preach about many things. David was anointed already as the next king of Israel. If you go back in the beginning of that book in 1 Kings, you see that. And you say, well, he was special. He had position. He was anointed. Well, the Bible says in the New Testament that you're a king and a priest, that you have been anointed. And that as David comes into this position and comes into this place, as we read here in a minute, he's facing the same things that you face. He's coming into a situation where everybody's afraid. You may live in a house where everybody's afraid. If you're the leader of that house, you need to make sure that everybody understands that you're okay. That's part of your job as a husband or as a man of God or as a woman of God as you represent your home. That's, that's part of it. That we, that we come into the situation at work and we bring strength, we bring authority, we bring dominion, and we bring spiritual leadership everywhere that we go. It's not a war of words. It's not a punching each other out. It's not even a guns and ammo kind of thing, although there are opportunities and times where that's important and it has to be done. But spiritually, the church has to be like David and rise up and say, is there not a cause? See, am I not going to fight? Matthew in chapter 11, verse 12, it says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And that's enthusiastic and energetic and all of those things, but that doesn't speak to the by force. You have to go out there and grasp hold of what God has said. Because the enemy is ever trying to take it from you. And if you will not fight for it, it will be taken from you. Well, I don't know about that. Well, think about the word, the Bible, prayer, all those things that have been taken and stripped out of school. Why was it? Because the church let go of her grasp. Oh, no, we were praying. Well, the church as a whole didn't stand up. And so now how hard is it for us to get it back? Now, how many of you believe that's the right way to go? I do. I'm not real sure how to do it. I know God would have to do something because half those people in there, I don't want them teaching anything about the Bible. But there are good ones. <laughs> so I don't know how. To, but how hard is it now for the church to go back and try to reclaim that thing that's been taken from it? And that was just the beginning and how much more has been seeded after that. David came to a place where if he didn't stand up, if someone didn't take out Goliath, they were going to be in a position of servanthood to the Philistines and to the enemy. And that the enemy would rule over them and the enemy would tell them what they can and can't do. Does that not sound familiar? See, there is an enemy in this world and it's not a person. The enemy works through a person. He works through people. But as the body of Christ, we have to understand, come on, that God also works through people. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, there, there, David understood this. As you read this in verse 22, and we can read real quickly, but it says, David left his supplies in the hand. I mean, this guy wasn't messing around. He showed up on the scene and it said he left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and he ran to the army and he came to greet his brothers. Then he goes on here for a little bit and he begins to talk to them about, hey, what's going on? In verse 24 it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And they began to tell David about this guy. You should see him, he's huge, man. See, how many times have you been in positions or been in places maybe where people begin to tell you how bad it is? 
They begin to tell you what, what the Democratic National Convention, what the platform was and how it happened. And, and that's, I mean, you need to be aware. I'm not saying you don't need to be aware, but I am telling you this. Talking doesn't do a whole lot. See, just, just talking here, talking there, talking here, just to talk doesn't do a whole lot. Spiritual warfare does a lot. And that there's a battle going on in the heavenlies. And yes, people need to get on the docket, and yes, people need to vote, and yes, 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 all of those things. But as the body of Christ, we need to get on our knees and begin to, begin to fight. We need to stand up in our home and swing our sword. We need to understand the power, dominion, and authority that we have in this world and that there is a Philistine giant that is coming against us. But we have a giant on the inside of us who is greater than that one. See, there was a giant on the inside of you that is greater than the giant that David faced that day, and he understood and knew that. He was a lowly shepherd boy who had killed a lion and a bear. He was a lowly shepherd boy who had been anointed the next king. It wasn't, how many of you really truly think that it was David with a slingshot and a rock and he swung that thing and it just so happened to hit him in the head and it killed him? Or how many of you think that maybe God had a little bit to do with that? Now, he had to go pick up his stones, he had to get his sling, he had to swing his stuff, but how many of you know it had to be God who did that and brought that across? Because the, the, this guy was a giant and he was strong. And he was mighty, and he was a man of war and battle. I'm sure he had killed tons of people in his life as he's gone through. And there's David. So you may not think that there's a big thing on the inside of you, but there is a big thing on the inside of you. Jesus Christ is alive on the inside of you. And he has said, greater am I in you than the one who's in the world. They begin to tell him how bad it is. And if you go down to verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard. He heard David when he spoke to these men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheeps in the wilderness? Sheep, not sheeps. I know your pride, and I know the insolence of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. See, even your own family members might come against you. It's family against family. You may have half your family's Democrats, half your family's Republicans, half your family's Muslim, half your family's Christian, half your family loves God, half your family doesn't, half your family... That's, that's real life. How many of you have family reunions that you just, you know, not all go to? <laughs> Maybe it's more than half. Maybe you're the only one. But as long as there's one, there's hope. See, the enemy begins to divide and begins to split. And what do we do? We spend that whole family reunion screaming back and forth at each other. And then we all get mad. We slam doors and we run out, get in our car and drive away. <coughs> A lot of good that was done there. Careful. Do you know the truth? See, do you know the truth? Why is that important? Because it's the truth that sets you free. Good ringtone. But David said in verse 29, what have I done now? So apparently this has been going on a little bit. See, how long? I don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible that he was like Joseph and his brothers hated him for those things. But, you know, now he says, and I'm just inferring here, and I don't know if I'm allowed to do that or not, but it says, what have I done? What have I done now? That, that, that tells me, or as I read that, I, I begin to think, well, maybe this has been going on a while. Maybe they've been coming against him for a while. Well, since when? I don't know. Maybe since they poured the oil on his head. I'm just, make, I'm just guessing. 
The enemy will hate you for who God is making you. See, the enemy won't like you as you live the plan of God for your life. The enemy is out to destroy you, to kill you, and to steal from you. And if he can do it by getting you all fuzzy about junky stuff and about issues, instead of you standing up and proclaiming what's right, he just sits back and giggles because there's no power in your fear. There's only power in faith. So then he goes on. And then he turned, it said, from him toward the others, and he said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words of David were spoke, they were heard, and they reported them to Saul. And Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. You have been called to battle by God. You have been called to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, what's my battle? I don't know what's standing against you. I'm not saying it's the Islamic agenda that's standing against you. But if you're placed in a position where that is standing against you, then that becomes your enemy and you have to fight. Well, I don't like that. I don't know anything about it. Well, if God has put you in that place, there is information in this word and there is information in this world that you can begin to absorb and God's spirit can lead you and guide you in what to say and what to do in that place. Don't not battle. Don't go hide. And he goes on and said, Saul told David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him for you're a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. How many of you believe that I could roll into school and make a big difference. I mean, I guess I could. But how many of you understand and know that if there were young people who were involved in schools in the community who stood up and banded together and began to fight the good fight of faith, preaching and teaching and speaking the truth of the Word of God, that that could really change the schools? Government is not... I'm just telling you. I I taught for 13 years. I know everything about education. I mean, I've been in it for a long time. I follow it. I pay attention to what they're doing. Government will not solve this problem. Will they? I don't think so. People like Courtney will solve this problem. But so will people like Miles and Alec. See, and Joey. See? You got to get kids. You got kids all... We got great kids in here. We got Caleb and Aaron. We got young people in here who know about Jesus and who care about the right being done in this world, being righteous. They understand. They care about it. And how many of you know that the enemy will come and tell you you're just a kid in a few years? In a few years, maybe you can do something. But God said to David, hey, 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 it's not just that you're a young person. Why don't you come on out here because I've got a battle for you and I am in you and I am greater than what you face. It's important. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and then there was a lion, and then there was a bear, and we slew them. Your servant, in verse 36, has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defiled the armies of the living God. There are a lot of people who think they're right, and they're completely wrong. They're standing up and believing that what they're saying is right, but it's wrong. How do you shut the mouth of the one who's speaking wrong? You can go up there and attack them. You can go up there and begin to hold their mouth. 
But didn't the, didn't the word say that we have the ability to bind and loose? And we've heard Pastor Bill say it. We've heard Pastor Pam share a little bit about it, that when Pastor Bill sees things on the TV, what does he do? He binds it in Jesus' name. That word that was spoken, oh, I don't know about that. Is that going to do anything? It says in the word it does. It may sound foolish, but it says in the word that it does. See, people are deceived. Goliath was just deceived. He was, a, he was an instrument coming against the armies of God. He was an instrument of the enemy coming against the armies of God. But he was just deceived. In this instance, he fought to the death because David ended up taking him out. But I'm telling you, in your situation, the thing that you face, the stuff that's going on in your life, you have to understand, you, what is inside of you is greater than that thing, and you have to come against it. You have to bind it in Jesus' name, begin to speak the words, begin to speak the truth, begin to speak the will of God, begin to speak the promises of the Lord and the Word, and you have to be the one who stands up maybe in your own house all by yourself against everybody else that's come against you and say, this is the truth. See, why do I write all that stuff down? Because that is the truth. I'm not just talking about a fight between, between situations that are going on in Libya and all these other things. I'm talking about fighting for your dream and your purpose and your calling and what God has placed you in this earth to do. The enemy doesn't want you to be a great principal. The enemy doesn't want you to be a great businessman. The enemy doesn't want you to be a great Christian leader in your community. He is going to come against you just like the Philistine came against the armies of the Lord. You're not just fighting for the right to pray in a public school. You are fighting for your right as an individual believer to be in this earth and be all God created you to be. You're fighting for you. You're fighting for your little ones. You're teaching them to fight for, your, for themselves. If your young people come up and come out of your home and they, they do not understand how to fight spiritually in their life for what God has promised them and put in their heart, they are at a, a huge disadvantage and are going to be taken out by the enemy. You can't protect them their whole life. There is a day, a moment, and a time of accountability in their life where they have to come out of that house and be prepared to fight. You can stand with them. You can fight for them. You can intercede on their behalf just like Jesus does us. But I'm telling you, you must Teach your children to fight. That's good. Well, I don't have any children anymore. You got grandkids? Pastor Bill drives those grandkids around, and he talks to them, and he teaches them, and he encourages them, and he shows them, and they want to know why he talks in that funny language. And he begins to talk to them about the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to talk about the power of the Word. And he begins... Now, he doesn't just sit down with them and go through an eight-point sermon. There's six. <laughs> but he begins to instruct. And he begins to teach. Why? Because it's important. I've said it before. That generation now that's in that 15 to 30, it's the biggest group of people you've ever seen. Biggest group of people that's ever been on the face of the earth. You better teach them. You better train them. Because, oh, God, help us. Our future's in their hands. They're well-tattooed and pierced hands. <laughs> now, let me tell you this. You can't be like me. Okay? You can't be like Pastor Bill. You can't be like Pastor Pam or Elizabeth. You, you have to be you. Saul tried to clothe David in his armor. He said, well, and people will try to do this. 
See, I, I am not trying to put armor on you. I am not trying to point you toward your fight. I am not trying to tell you, you know, how you should or how you shouldn't necessarily. I'm not telling you to go out and disrupt political conventions or any of those kind of... I'm not telling you all. I'm not trying to put my armor on you. What I'm trying to get you each to understand is there is armor that has been provided for you. There is a plan that has been provided for you. There is a calling that has been provided for you. No matter your age, no matter your sex, no matter your whatever, there, there is a calling, there's a purpose, there is armor, there is a... Is there not a cause? Yes, there's a cause. We went through that book last year, The Cause Within You, Matthew Barnett. Why was that so important? Because you got to know what you're fighting for. Well, I'm fighting for the word. Yes, you are, but it gets a little bit more specific than that. You'll wear yourself out swinging that sword. David tried to put it on, dropped off. He said, this isn't me. And then it goes on. It says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch, which he had. And he put his sling in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. That's verse 40. Verse 41 says, So the Philistine came and began to draw near to David. And the man who bore the shield went with him. So big, couldn't even carry his own shield. He had to have a little guy in front of him. But realize this, David didn't have anybody in front of him. He just had somebody with him. He didn't go by himself. He went in the power and the might of the Spirit of God. He'd been anointed. You're anointed. See, he didn't go out there on his own. He didn't go out there by himself. He went out there, and this is important, in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Without that, what does he have? But with that, what does he have? See, it says in Ephesians, if you go back and begin to read, it says that, that we, we do stand against principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness in this age and those things. But it says that he has given us the ability to stand now, I'll tell you this. David had to come out of that place, and he went toward the Philistine, but there was a moment where he had to stand. What do we stand on? The foundation of the Word of God. And it says, go having girded yourself with, see, remember the, the, the armor of God? Girding your, girding your feet with the gospel of the preparation of peace, your, your belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith. And when I hear stand, when I hear when you have done all you have done, stand. What you have is the armor to allow you to stand. And I believe that's not a timid, scared, standing backwards, cowered under your shield kind of standing. I believe that it's an advancing, see, an encouraging and a swinging and an offensive stand. Why do I believe that? Because the enemy, I will not stop attacking you. So if he, he is a, and he didn't stop. Goliath didn't stop. When David came out with his little thing, his little slingshot and his little stick, Goliath, what did he do? He attacked him all the more. But that didn't make David run away. David began to stand up. His back began to get stiffened. And then he began to tell really, truly, Goliath, this is who I am. And this is who you are. And let me tell you right now, greater is he who's in me than he who is in you. That's the New Testament version of an Old Testament story. And it says, the Philistine looked about and he saw David. He had disdain for him. See, people, that, that's people. That's the enemy. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. 
So the Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with these sticks? He also said, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. The enemy will try to intimidate you all day long. That's what he does. He is an intimidator. He's an accuser of the brethren. He is a liar and a thief. And he wants to try to intimidate you. David could have looked down and said, yeah, what the heck am I doing here? I mean, he's a, he's a giant, and he's got a guy. And I'm just this little guy, and all I got is this stick, and all I got is this, this slingshot with some rocks. And, 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 I, and this is where we are as believers sometimes. I thought that if I stood up to him, he would back down. Huh. Going to have to fight. Part of it, yes, is standing up to him. Part of it, yes, is putting down the armor, picking up your stuff, and going out and meeting him on the battlefield. But I'm telling you, the enemy is not scared of you just standing there. It says that as you submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee. That you have to first submit yourself to God, which I think is that, okay, I'm going to pick up my stuff and I'm going to go out there. But then you're going to have to resist him. You're going to have to fight. We just want to say, okay, God, in church. And raise our hands and say, okay, I'll do it. And we hope that that's enough. It hasn't been enough. That's where the church has been in the last bunch of years. I'm telling you, there is a generation of young people who want to fight. They just don't know what to fight for. They picked up the cause in the last election of change. They'll fight for it. They don't have any idea what they're, what's changing. There's just a cause. Well, why can't we begin to present the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there is a cause there. You can sit at home and you can pray that all these kids get saved, that all these kids get their life changed, that this next generation figures it out. Or you can get out there and you can fight against the wiles of the enemy and you can begin to bring them into the kingdom one at a time. We can't do it alone. We need them. Okay? Get out there and get to work. Get to fighting. David got ticked, man. David said to the Philistine, and this is where we need to be, you came to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you. And then, See, he didn't say, I come to you with a slingshot and some rocks. He didn't say that. See, what are you going to, what are you going to tell the enemy? See, when, when you come, when David stands there, and when you stand now all these thousands of years later, what are you going to come at the enemy with? The same thing he did. I come to you in the name of the Lord, God of Israel. What else do you have that he didn't have? See, what, what else is there? That's all I got. Now, the one thing I do have that he didn't have in the moment, but I believe that God was with him, is we have the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us. The power. The power. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Your hope is not in a political person. Your hope is not in the right person being elected to some office. Your hope is in the power of God that's on the inside of you. Your faith, the substance of things what? Hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, Acts 1.8, is the thing that allows you to go forward and make a difference in this earth and to use your weapons. 
I'm telling you, nobody can stop that born-again believer filled with the power of the Holy Spirit going forward in God's will and in his anointing and speaking the truth and fighting the good fight of faith. The enemy can't stop you. This day, he said, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you and this day I'll give it to the carcass. I'll give the carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? That all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Why? Because they saw what God did by taking him out with a little rock and a little stick and that it was him standing. See, what do we say in Matthew? What did it say? That they will see your good works and it will bring glory to who? God. Hadn't changed the plan. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with just the sword and the spear, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So when the Philistine arose, he got ticked. And yet it might not just be you coming out. It might ju- not just be you yelling at the devil in your prayer closet. You're going to walk out of your house. It's going to be on your front porch. Because it says, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David did what? He hurried and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. I'm telling you, you get yourself all stirred up. See, oh, God hadn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That's true. But if you read verse 6, it says, stir yourself up in the Holy Ghost. Get yourself rolling in the Spirit. Get yourself all pumped up on the inside. Why? Because He's going to come after you. And when He comes after you, you know the direction you're going, and you can come right at Him. Because greater is who? He who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, don't go out and cuss your boss out and tell him he needs to get saved. Be led by the Spirit. Then David put his hand in his bag, and he took out the stone. And he slung it, and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank right in his forehead and he fell down on his face to the earth. David could have jumped up and down like we do sometimes. Oh my gosh, it worked. (laughs) David was a praiser. He was a dancer, right? He could have just got into a jig. Oh, glory to God. But no, he finished what he started. See, what, what what came out of his mouth? I'm going to cut off your head. And it goes on and it says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him wasn't cutting off his head that did but he finished his work he finished what was said by cutting off his head he goes on and says but there was no sword in the hand of David so he went and he stood over the Philistine and he took the Philistine's own sword now think about this for a minute real quick and we'll pray he took the Philistine's sword how big do you think that was? huh? so he was not alone in this last endeavor see he was little ruddy he was the, the youngest one in, in the litter. He was the runt because they didn't even pick him to be anointed. They had to go get him and say, well, I guess there's only one left, this little kid. But he went and took the sword out of Goliath's hands. Did Jesus not take back the keys to death, hell, and the grave on that day that he climbed up on that tree and he died and rose again and provided an opportunity for you to be big in this earth? Says David, cut off his head. cut off his head finished what he started you know the story though that wasn't the last battle that wasn't the last thing why don't you stand up it wasn't over it went on 
We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.